Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the Victim podcast. We discuss a lot of sad and potentially triggering things on this show. We try to be as sensitive and cautious as possible, but if you are sensitive to things involving abuse and may be triggered, please think twice before listening to our show. There are over 700,000 sexual offenders in the United States alone. With all the social media these days, how can we protect ourselves and our children from these despicable predators? Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast, where we discuss criminal cases that involve some factor of abuse. Our goal is to spread awareness of abuse that could be taking place around any of us and encourage everyone to take responsibility and report if they see a child or an adult being abused. Abuse is something that is very difficult to understand, especially if you haven't experienced it. The effects vary from person to person and everyone has a unique reaction. The emotions and confusion it can cause can be overwhelming and even crippling. It's definitely not an easy thing to move past. For many people, whether they intend to or not, they might attach a level of shame to victims and survivors of abuse. Some people even say things they would have done differently, as if they would never allow themselves to be abused. This kind of ignorance and shaming can make it really difficult for real survivors to heal and move on. The story we're sharing today taught us that abuse does not need to define you. It's a great example of someone who was able to make the best of life, even though she didn't receive the justice she deserved. Welcome to the Voice of the Victim podcast. I'm Rosie. And I'm Ryan. And tonight we are going to do another VOV listener volume. Right, Ryan? Yeah. This is going to be the first time we do it a little different format. Uh, One of our really nice, lovely listeners called in. Well, first she wrote in her story and then did a call with me to clear up some details. And so we're actually going to be telling the story for her. And names are changed to protect her identity, but she has a very interesting story. So keep in mind, this story is one of our listeners. Yeah, I'm excited to try this new format. But anyway, before we get started, do you have any announcements that you would like to talk about? Mm. Well, we just released two new Patreon episodes yesterday. That's right. We have one for our $2 and up level patrons, and then we have one $5 dollar level and up for those patrons yeah our five dollar level is more like follow-ups on past stuff and then just like random off-topic conversations so we have a movie discussion up there as well as a follow-up to the turpin case for our five dollar level and then our new premium episode rosie you want to tell them yeah it's about tragedies that happened on movie sets Yeah, I went into it blind, and it was quite a thrill ride. (laughs) Was it? Like, not as in I was thrilled to be (laughs) on it, but it was shocking. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. And then we also want to remind you guys that we'll be at the True Crime Podcast Festival. Yeah, we are for sure going to be there. Yeah, I got off work, (laughs) so now we know for sure I'll be there. And we booked a and b so that's July 13th in Chicago, and the details are at the, I believe it's TCPF 2019. You can literally look up True Crime Podcast Festival Chicago 2019, and it will come up. So 
I wouldn't be too worried about this. Yes, it's tcpf2019.com. It's at the Marriott downtown in Chicago. Glad we solved that mystery. Yeah. Without any more distractions, should we jump into the story of Anne? I think so. All right. Well, Anne was born in 1973 in Long Beach, California. I wish I was born there. Her family lived on a naval base because her father served in the Navy at the time. She was born two months premature, and she had health issues because of it. Yeah, she said at the time that she was born, she was less than four pounds. And I didn't realize how much a baby grows in those last couple months. But Rosie, your brother was premature. You know how much he weighed? Two. Two pounds? Yeah, he was. Whoa. Yep. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I remember... My nephew was born two months early as well, and, like, his whole body could fit in the palm of his dad's hand. So. Yeah, pretty crazy. Granted, he has huge hands, but still, (laughs) that's tiny. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helps put it into perspective. Yeah, my brother was really fortunate, though, because he has no health problems. Yeah, he's quite a specimen. He's just a cocky 17-year-old boy. I'm like six and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. Well, Anne's health problems continued for a large part of her childhood, and she spent the first few months in the hospital. Then she had to get one of her kidneys removed at just one year old. Uh, oh, that's hard. Yeah, so it's safe to say that her premature birth was a lot harder on her. And throughout her childhood, doctors kept telling her parents that she might not even survive at all. Oh. Um, would be terrible to hear as parents. Then Anne developed heart a heart condition, so when she was six years old, she had to get surgery on her heart. Uh, it's so much physical trauma to have to deal with when you're a little kid. Anne's mother was very involved with her during this time, but her father was busy with his work in the Navy and was barely ever around from the time she was born through really her early childhood. He never even bonded with her at a young age because of his absence. Anne felt like her being sickly and small made her father uncomfortable, and that he almost had a fear of her because of it. Yeah, that would be so difficult as a little kid, trying to recover from all these health issues and feeling like your own father's afraid of you. Like Kids crave that closeness with their parents. Like we were just talking about with mm-hmm. the Turpin follow-up, how... No matter what, kids kind of crave that approval from their parents. Right. And especially little girls and their fathers, I think, and vice versa. Like, I know as a mama's boy. boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Anne didn't really have this bond with her father as a toddler. Shortly after her heart surgery at six, Anne's father left the Navy and was home a lot more often. He was a very smart man. He started working as a nuclear chemist. Wow. That does make you smart. (laughs) Yeah. That's a big job. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Um, And with this new job, he had to travel all over the world to do his work. No matter where he was, people in the community always respected him. He was always the highlight of parties, and his success was very much celebrated. When Anne was a child, her mom was very submissive as a wife, and he took advantage of that. She endured a lot of abuse from him. Yeah, I'm guessing that she had a fear of him. Within the first eight years of Anne's life, her parents had been going through a pretty rough patch. He was physically abusive and cheated on his wife quite often, so Anne's mom had left several times to get away from him. 
but then he would try to get her to come back. He would even threaten suicide. Ugh. Like, he would always somehow talk her into coming back to him. That's hard, especially as a wife. Like, I think I would go back, too, if you threatened to kill... Well, no, I don't know. That's such a tough situation. Yeah. On one occasion, Anne's mom had planned to leave and flee to Wisconsin, where she had been born. She was going to take Anne with, but he threatened her into letting Anne stay with him. Yeah, and... What he did next is really disturbing, so we want to warn you guys, listener discretion is advised, especially if you may be triggered by self-harm. This guy was so manipulative and narcissistic. Uh, We're about to see how he would use other people to get what he wanted, no matter what the impact of trauma would be on them. Oh, yeah. I just read a little bit, and it's rough. Yeah, so be prepared. Anne's father slit his wrists in front of her and rubbed his blood on her. He said it was because of what her mom did and forced Anne to call her mom and tell her about it and beg her to come back. So she returned. He decided that another baby might help them to fix things. Her father knew that if they had another baby, his wife would have to stay with him. So he's using this new baby as manipulation. Like what... A bad way, bad reason to bring a life into this world, you know? Yeah, but can we also pause and talk about what he did to her? Slitting his own wrists and smearing the blood on her? That's disgusting. I know. Like, what? How could a father do that? Or how could a person do that to another person? You know? Like, that's really messed up. Yeah. It's definitely, yeah. It's It's sick. That's something you see in a horror movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. And you're right. Babies don't fix problems. <laughs> and another detail she said is that while she was pregnant uh, with the second girl, which is Anne's little sister, he would still beat the mom. In 1981, when Anne was eight years old, her little sister was born. She was born much healthier than Anne had been, and her father was much closer to the new girl than he had ever been to Anne. He basically ignored Anne, which she didn't really mind at that point, because when he did interact with her, he was very unkind. He belittled her and insulted her, calling her fat, stupid, and retarded. And he would hit her. So, this can be so damaging to adolescents, especially when they're going through changes at the age... At that age, you know, someone's first becoming self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And it's so harmful to a child's self-esteem to be calling them names like this and making them feel bad about themselves. Even if the adult thinks they're just joking, comments like this can have a huge impact on children, the way they look at themselves and, you know, just how they, what they think is important in life, you know? Yeah, no, I totally understand. And even though... She said she didn't mind that her dad had a better relationship with her little sister. I'm sure it hurt her feelings. Oh, yeah. I remember feeling that way about my brother and my dad when I was growing up. Yeah. I think my older sister, too, she was eight years older than me. Mm -hmm. So she was the baby for eight years. And then when I was born, all the attention kind of went on me. Right. I guess it's not quite the same, but there's that resentment. Yeah, just that insecurity about it. Yeah. But as time went on, Anne's father started giving her a little more attention. He would have her sit on his lap. 
And Anne just ate up this attention from him because she had never gotten it from her father before. And having a new little sister, she was no longer the center of attention for the parents. So she was happy to have her father actually spending time with her. Then he started giving her baths. I don't really know because I'm not a father, but isn't eight years old a little late for a father to start giving his daughter baths? Um, I guess it's strange when he never did before at yeah. all. So. Yeah, like even, but just even in general, like isn't. I guess it's starting isn't eight to. A little old. I don't yeah, know. yeah, but when I think of a mom helping her eight-year-old son, then it doesn't seem that weird. True. Yeah, like I said, I'm not a father, so I don't really know. But anyway, this continued for five years. and Well, that's weird. Yeah. When Anne was 13, something even more weird started happening that is kind of turned her life upside down. Her father started coming into her bedroom at night. And it turns out that the baths and the lap sitting were um, his way of grooming her. Or at least that's how she sees it now. Definitely. When he came into her room, he would touch her. If she woke up, he'd ask her if she had wet the bed. And this frustrated her because she knew she wasn't wetting the bed. That was just his excuse for why he was touching her inappropriately. Uh-uh. Uh-huh. Trying to make her think he was checking her pants for pee. It's just disgusting. Then he would do the same type of thing by reaching under her shirt and telling her, I'm just checking to see if you're growing like you should be. Oh, this is so cringe. Like this, out of all the abuse, incest is so hard to talk about. It's such an uncomfortable topic. You know what I mean? But it needs to be talked about, obviously. Especially a father to Mm -hmm. his daughter. Like a brother and sister is bad, but a father and daughter is just like, like... what the heck yeah like why does it matter when she's 13 years old if she's growing breasts yet like what why would he be worried about that it's the only excuse he can come up with yeah it's and that's what it all is is all of this is manipulation just to get what he wants Mm -hmm. it's it's really sad around this time Anne's mom started to not like her very much Anne feels like her mother may have known and had resentment towards her daughter because of the attention attention she was getting from her father. But even though she most likely knew about this abuse, she didn't want to take the girls and leave. They had a comfortable lifestyle and plenty of money, and she was afraid to be alone. Yeah, and like we said, he's a nuclear chemist, so he's making good money. He's a popular guy around town. So it would be a huge lifestyle change and really difficult and inconvenient. I mean, he'd probably get everyone on his side because, you know, he's this charismatic, manipulative man. So it would be a really difficult move for the mom to make. But, you know, when a child's being abused, something needs to be done. Yeah, are those good reasons to stay when you know that your child's being molested and raped? Yeah, it's kind of like the... Saeed sister case, you know, the mom could have done something, but you know, it's a it's difficult to to put blame on someone who was also a victim of abuse. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, like we mentioned, this guy was really clever. He was a smooth talker, and he would use that to manipulate his wife as well. Like we mentioned, 
he is very he was very well respected within his field of work. He was good at his job and a Navy veteran. He was well known and respected around the community. And we mentioned this again because it just had to add a whole extra level of frustration to Anne's experience. You know, everyone else is looking up to this guy and respecting him. And they had no idea what he was actually doing to hurt his daughter. But she had to sit there and watch it and know deep down this guy's hurting her hmm. and, you know, abusing her. And and no one knows. You know, it's just it has to be so frustrating. Yeah. Anne's mom really didn't want to leave her husband because she knew that if she did, he would manipulate everyone to make sure that she would have nothing. So the family would move often after the father had left the Navy because of his work. But at this point, they were living in Washington State. When Anne was 14, her mom decided to finally leave and divorce her husband. But she left the two young girls behind. Okay. With their sexually abusive father. Well, that's frustrating. If you're a mother and you know what's happening. Yeah. (sighs) Anne's little sister was six, just going on seven at this time. For three years, the two girls lived with him, with no mother around. He started drinking a lot and became an alcoholic. He was always gone. So the responsibility of raising the six-year-old girl fell onto 14-year-old Anne. Not only that, but they lived on a farm with horses and cows. Yeah, so all that responsibility fell on her. And Anne felt like after her mom left, she kind of had to replace her mom. She became the mom to her little sister. And she took the beatings that her mother used to get, plus the sexual abuse. Not to mention all the work of caring for farm animals. Mm-hmm. And she was in school as well. It's just so much responsibility for a little kid. Her father would come home for dinner every night and expect Anne to have it all ready when he got there. And not just, you know, something to eat, but full meals with sides like meat, potatoes, and salad. That's just a lot to put on a kid. And she said that if it wasn't cooked just right to his liking, he'd always do something in retaliation from grounding her to throwing the food across the room to even kicking or smacking her oh my gosh i i can't even make you a full meal every night (laughs) we well we have very uh different you know dietary um restrictions so you don't have to stick up for me it's okay no it's all right i make it difficult (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) when her father was actually home he was emotionally and physically abusive Anne would take her little sister everywhere with her because she wanted to protect her from him this is when the sexual abuse got even worse he would come into Anne's room at night and rape her and she would try to refuse but he would beat her until she complied with his demands And he even held a threat over her head that if she did refuse him, he would just move on to his younger daughter, her little sister. This is so freaking cold. Not only does she have all that other responsibility we just talked about, but this, he manipulated her to put all the responsibility of protecting her little sister on her. Like, 
you need to take this or else I'm going to do it to her. Wow. You know? That's so sick. He's basically telling her it would be her fault that her sister started getting abused because she could have prevented it if she let him do it to her. Mm. It's so backwards. And again, such a difficult thing to live through. When Anne was 15, her dad made her start taking birth control pills. So he didn't have to worry about her getting pregnant. What a sick thing. At first, Anne would excuse his behavior in her mind by telling herself that he was just drunk and didn't know what he was doing. But it progressed to the point where he wasn't drunk anymore and it just became a routine, casual occurrence. Anne would call her mom begging her to take her father to court and get custody of them. But she feels like her mom was scared of him. He was a successful, wealthy man who could afford good legal representation. Anne also believes that her mom was kind of reliving her youth around this time and enjoying life without her kids. This is so hard to read because the mom knows what's happening. Yeah. And no matter... I mean, I know that her mom was a victim and was going through some really traumatic emotional abuse and physical, but the, your daughter is being raped by her father. This is just so messed up. Her mom straight up told her, I just can't deal with having kids right now, Yikes. which is so selfish. Yeah. You know? Like, and that, that her mom was just trying to, like, relive her youth and take advantage of this time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's a hard thing to hear as a kid. Yeah. Like, don't have kids if you don't want kids. Because this, this is just terrible. Even after the divorce, Anne's mom would come back to her ex-husband for short amounts of time to hook up with him. And I'm guessing she really missed him physically. That's... Anne said that her mom was still really attracted to her dad and that she would even talk to her about it, like, about how irresistible her dad was sexually. Because every kid wants to hear that. I just noticed that that's just the way you say divorce. (laughs) Divorce. Shut up. I'm not trying to change you anymore. I'm just... Okay. It's just your unique little trait. I'm a Mustang. This horse cannot be trained. During one of these visits was the first time Anne straight up told her mom what he was doing to her and asked her to please take them away from him, but she refused. And this was harder for Anne to accept than the abuse itself. Mm, Yeah. It's totally understandable. Yeah, it's her mom. It's the person that's supposed to love her unconditionally and protect her from harm. But even after knowing about her daughter's abuse without a doubt, she was still able to abandon her. And this just broke Anne's heart. When Anne was about 16, her and her sister visited her mom in Wisconsin for the summer. Anne talked to her mom about it and told her that she wanted to go to court and get her father put in jail. But her mom just said she couldn't do that. They did end up talking to a lawyer, though, who told Anne that because she was 16, she had the choice to live with whichever parent she wanted but her little sister would have to go back to her dad. So This would have been such a painful choice to make because, of course, she wants to get away from her abuser, but she doesn't want her sister to start being targeted. Mm-hmm. And I will mention that um, 
as far as Anne knows, and she's pretty sure about this, that her little sister never was victimized by him. So mm. at least there's a silver lining there. But Well, her sister, I mean, Anne was such a protector. That's really admirable. Yeah, she was uh, very selfless. Anne decided to protect her sister and go back to their father when the summer was over. And even after her mom knew about the abuse, she still went back to the father a few times to hook up. And sometimes he would visit her in Wisconsin for a couple of weeks. Then they split up again. It was a crazy and really messed up relationship. And like I said earlier, Anne's mom would actually tell Anne what a good lover her dad was. And that's why she'd go back to him. Which had to be super annoying because Anne was abused, raped by him. Like, to her, that was not, you know, not what she wanted. So to hear that he was a good lover from her mom would be so... Ugh. Mm-hmm. But her mom always left again, so she kept coming back to get what she wanted and then leaving her daughter in the same situation. But it got even worse, and he started letting his creepwad pervert friends abuse his daughter as well. (sighs) He would take video of the sexual encounters he was forcing on his own daughter. He would even try to get with her friends when they visited the home over the years. He would come into the bathroom while Anne was taking a bath and pee in her bathwater, telling her that she w- he was marking her with his. What the heck? That's so disgusting and unnecessary. So you think he's a dog? This guy is scum. He would also force her to watch porn with him. All the time, he continued to berate her, telling her she was ugly and stupid. So, not only was he physically abusing her, but emotionally. He was conditioning her and trying to make her self-esteem plummet. And he was probably trying to get her to want his affection, trying to convince her that he was the only place she'd ever find it. He told her that no one wanted her, and that no one would ever want her. Anne did her best to stay compliant with him, but it was really difficult for her. I can only imagine how trapped she felt. One of the most difficult parts had to be knowing that her mother knew what was happening to her, but she wasn't doing anything to help her daughter. Instead, she was off living her own child-free life, rebelling and being who she could never be before. Sounds like a midlife crisis to me, but... Anne was living in Washington with her sister and father, but her mother moved east to Wisconsin. Where I was born. Anne's mother was also born there, and her family lived there. Anne's father decided to sue his ex-wife for custody of the kids. And if this went through, it would erase any hope Anne and her sister could have of living with a non-abusive parent. If he got full custody, they'd be stuck with him, and he'd be free to do whatever he wanted to them. I wonder why he wanted to do that, like what his reason was to the court, you know? (laughs) Yeah, like, because you got to convince them the other parent's unfit. Right. Anne was actually offered the choice to go live with her mom because she was 17, but this would mean leaving her little nine-year-old sister alone with her father. And Anne knew that this would mean what this would mean for her little sister, so she decided to stay. 
at least for a while. They moved to Pennsylvania, and again her mother came back to her father for a time. Her mom got a job and became friends with one of the women working there. They would start having her and her daughter over for dinner, and at some point Anne would start to babysit this woman's daughter, who was the same age as Anne's little sister. And Anne said that behind the woman's back, her dad would call this woman an idiot and a stupid blonde just such a nice guy. <laughs> Not. Nah, I'm just kidding. Things seemed okay for a little while, but again, things went downhill, and the father lost his temper and beat the crap out of Anne's mom, so she left him again. Anne's father actually went on a date with the woman who they'd been having over for dinner. On their first date, the woman got pregnant by him, and they ended up staying together. So. Wow. Yeah. That's fast. First date. And this is the woman that we were just talking about that he would berate and make fun of behind her back. Yeah. So I'm sure that relationship got got pretty dark as well. Mm-hmm. But she became dependent on him because she was carrying his baby and he was pretty financially well off. Right. She was struggling financially and since he was so well off for her, it was really a security But not long after this, he had gotten a DUI, which ended up being one DUI too many, and he got put into a halfway house to recover. He was allowed to go to work during this time, but he had to stay at this house Hmm. when he wasn't at work. While he was living there, Anne saw her chance to confront him, because he was in a safe and contained area. But when she brought it up, he flipped out on her and told her that she was making it all up. Wow. Yeah. He even told her she was sick because she made this up about him, and it got so heated that the workers had to remove him from the situation. His new wife got custody of Anne and her sister. This is about the time that Anne started dating. So that's so weird that, that is this so new weird. woman who they've known a year gets custody of the kids. But most of the relationships she had when she um was dating now we're talking about Anne. um she had just started dating and most of the relationships were abusive and she was used to that from her father and so she thought it was normal to be treated this way but fortunately none of them panned out in the long run while Anne's new stepmom was pregnant with her dad's kid the stepmom started sleeping with one of Anne's boyfriend's best friends Okay, this is weird. Yeah, he was only 17. There's so much infidelity and messed up relationships in this story, but... Yeah, that's that's a big... Um, big no-no? Yeah, it's, it's weird. <laughs> By the time Anne was 18, she felt that if she left the home without telling the truth about her father, um, then her sister would get stuck with the monster and lived through the same thing that she had been enduring this whole time. Ugh. And not not to mention, I just want to go back to this weird relationship real quick. This boy that was 17 and Anne's new stepmom was sleeping with him. Like, she has custody of a daughter that's the same age mm-hmm. as the boy she's sleeping with. It's that's very strange. That is very strange. Reminds me of your sister and your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> Roughly Uh, that age. Did I talk about that in my personal episode? Yes, you did. Yeah, if you're curious, that's episode 52 I talk about that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, 
Anne went to court and testified against her father, so her mother would get full custody of her little sister. Finally, Anne was able to get away from her abuse. Once she got away, she never spoke to her father again. Well, the part that really sucks here is that there was technically no physical evidence of the abuse, so he never got in trouble for the years of abuse. I mean, a lot of thing, a lot of cases we talk about, the people will end up, you know, getting mm-hmm. prosecuted and going to prison, or at least some form of punishment. But this could not be proven, and no. like we just talked about, he was in complete denial. That so and mm-hmm. and really, as as we'll talk about, she she's doing a lot better now, but she really had to find a way to heal without getting quote-unquote justice you know yeah that's terrible yeah and another interesting detail is that Anne's grandfather had also been abusive to his daughter Anne's aunt and his wife which is Anne's grandmother had told Anne about this Hmm. so um she wasn't sure if he was ever abusive to his son the person we're talking about in the story but just shows that cycle of abuse again you know and broke that cycle which is really awesome that's why we talk about breaking that cycle of abuse because it does make an impact on how many people do suffer abuse and so let's get into that with Anne. the way Anne was raised didn't teach her what true love was she had learned from her father that quote unquote love was all physical He drilled the idea into her head that no one could ever really love her. But despite that, Anne met a guy when she was 19. He treated her really well, being really sweet and encouraging. From him, she started to learn that love was much deeper than purely physical attraction. She would see the way he took care of his mom, who had cancer, and the way he interacted with his sisters. He was really sweet, unlike any man she had ever seen before. He was also a bit of a nerd. He played Dungeons and Dragons, (laughs) but he was always there for her and never made her feel like she owed him sex. That's really cute. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's really cool. She told me about how she reacted to little fights that they had at first when they started, when they got together. Um, And the moment that she realized that he loved her more deeply than anyone had before in her whole life. Every time they'd get into a little disagreement, Anne would pack up her bags and leave. This is what she saw from her parents and all she knew. But her new boyfriend taught her that it was normal to have disagreements and to argue. It was part of being in a relationship. It didn't mean that they, were, they weren't going to make it. He told her, people argue and that's life. But it doesn't mean I'm ever going to hit you or that I hate you or that I'm going to throw you out. This is such an important thing to learn. I mean, to me, the number one key to a successful relationship in all six of my years of experience. <laughs> Almost six. <laughs> I know we, we don't have much experience, so I'm not trying to sound like a guru. But, I mean, knowing how to communicate so you can resolve conflicts is, I think it's really important. You can't just put two people in a house for 5, 10, 20 years without having fights unless you're both really good at faking it. But it's just a part of being with another person all the time. 
And each disagreement's really an opportunity to exercise that communication muscle, you know. Both people have to be on board, though. You know, they both have to be willing to communicate. So it's nice to see that Anne was able to find a great guy and learn that lesson, you know. Mm -hmm. It's really something that it sounds like he taught her that, you Mm -hmm. know. And it's really cool. They went on to get married on June 8th, 1996. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's our anniversary. Um, a few years later, though, ours was. <laughs> yeah. I was only two <laughs> at 96, so, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> we are kind of whippersnappers, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Um, but being loved genuinely was such a new experience for Anne because for her whole life, She'd been constantly belittled and told she was worthless and only good for one thing. This emotional abuse wore her down, and she'd started to believe it herself. But this new man helped her realize she could be loved genuinely. And I'm so glad. I mean, it's a harrowing, terrible story, but it's still a really good ending, even though there could be nothing done legally, you know. Mm -hmm. But there's more to the story. Anne's husband was the first person in her life that ever loved her unconditionally. He knew about all the baggage she carried with her into the relationship, but he was patient and supported her on her road to recovery. He had been her rock ever since. Anne went on to have two daughters with her husband. And this is really special because doctors actually told Anne's parents that she would never be able to have children or live a normal life. And even with that... Plus, all the terrible things she had to live through while growing up, she was still able to make a relatively normal life for herself and have children. Anne continued to see the contrast between her father and her husband. Her husband was an attentive and supportive father. He'd play with his daughters and go to different activities with them to support them. One daughter was in theater and the other played violin, and he always went to their plays and recitals. He would take the first day of school off every year to take them out to breakfast. Oh, that's really sweet. (laughs) I know. And and seeing this, Anne was able to look back at her own childhood and see that contrast. Like we said before, her own father was distant and never developed that bond until he was like, ooh, what can I get out of this and how can I Uh, uh abuse this child? You know, it's not the same kind of attention. They were able to raise their children really well. Anne became a PTA mom, and they would always host fun get-togethers at their house for the girls and their friends. Their house became a safe place for kids. That's such a cool, um, you know, progression from where she was to where she ended up here. And Anne's daughters continue to love her to this day. They are her best friends now, and that's really amazing. When your kids want to be... With you as adults, you know you've done a good job, you know? Mm-hmm. She eventually began working with special needs children and teaching them according to their personal needs, including basic knowledge as well as practical social skills. Yeah, so she's doing work in a field that takes a bit more effort and mental stamina than a typical job, a job that really helps others that need special attention, considering everything she'd gone through They said she wouldn't be able to have a normal life, but she's, you know, far, what's it called? Above and beyond what the expectations were. Mm -hmm. But 21 years after getting married, 
Anne was hit with another huge trauma in her life. When she was 40, she was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer. Yeah, and this is a pretty advanced stage. It's got to be a scary diagnosis. Things were not looking good for Anne at first. She endured a year of chemotherapy as well as 66 radiation treatments. Oh, I can't imagine. That sounds yeah. so terrible. Yeah, you kind of... You kind of had to witness something like that, and uh, going through all those treatments is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Watching a loved one get chemo is terrible. I can't imagine being the person getting the chemo. Yeah, I don't know if I could do it. You know? mm-hmm. But thankfully, Anne was able to beat cancer. As of the time of this recording, she's been free from cancer for five years. The whole experience really brought the family together, and they grew even closer as they fought the battle against cancer. Yay, Anne! (laughs) Even though it took Anne a lot of time and effort to learn to trust other people, her family means more to her than life itself. Family is very strong. It's so nice to see survivors making progress and being able to move past their abuse and make the best of it. And she was even resilient enough to win a battle against cancer. Like, it's so amazing Mm -hmm. because she was already above and beyond. And then she beat cancer, too. Now, Anne works at a hospital as a heart monitor technician. Yeah. So she's really made huge strides in her life um, from where it all started with the premature birth to where she is now. It's just amazing. Yeah. And it's a a happy ending, even though she didn't get the justice that she deserved. Yeah. But she's really proved that she is a survivor. Yeah. And we're so grateful to her that she shared her story with us and was okay with us sharing it on our show. Because it's it still blows our mind to this day that people... Real people that have been in these unimaginable situations um, appreciate what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and feel like um, they feel and they trust us enough to share this with us. And it just really means a lot to us, you know. So thank you so much, Anne, for sharing this with us. And she actually said some things when I talked to her that were really sweet about, you know, mm-hmm. just what we're doing here. So, Rosie, do you want to read that? Sure. It says, I really do enjoy your podcast. You guys are really good at what you're doing and speaking for people who probably don't have a voice otherwise. It's a hard thing to talk about because you're taught to be ashamed. Yeah, that's so sweet of her to say, and I feel like I don't really deserve it, but... The point about being taught to be ashamed really stood out to me. Mm, yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, the general population doesn't really understand and doesn't even try to understand. It's unbelievable how judgmental people can be, like YouTube commenters, especially about gaslighting victims, shaming people for allowing someone else to abuse them or for not running away. There's just so much crap out there that's insensitive and ignorant. And they treat you as if you're running from some random monster you meet in an alley. And they say, why didn't you just do this? Or, I would have done this. 
but it's just not the same thing, especially in cases that involve family. These are people you've grown to love and trust, and it's really hard to accept that they're hurting you in the way they are, and especially when they manipulate the heck out of their victims, playing with their emotions, and offering comfort and care after the abuse, and just straight up placing the blame on the victim and taking no responsibility. It's not simple, and if you haven't lived through it, don't pretend you can understand. Like, I I, I never pretend that I understand, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just something that I can't really relate to, but... But I still, I'm still like really touched by these stories. So we just gotta try to be supportive and not try to tell these people that they did something wrong and what we would have done differently. There's no reason for that and no point to it. Anne has since done group therapy and even helped younger girls who have gone through similar situations. And one big takeaway she had from the therapy and progress that she's made is that your abuse doesn't need to define who you are. Yeah, and this is a big lesson that stood out to me from Anne's stories. She's done so well moving on from her past, and her story was so inspirational to me, as all of our listener stories have been, you know? It's so amazing to see a survivor able to move past it and make the best of it, because that's the real goal. And we think it's really important to talk about these things, But we don't do it to stew in the misery. That's a small part of it, but the big goal is being able to recover. And it's not easy. It doesn't just happen overnight. But, I mean, this is such a good example. Taking baby steps and um, trying to make a little progress every day. And you usually need help with it. Like, um, Anne had a really supportive husband that really helped her out and that's you know seeking help is a big part of it and you don't need to suddenly be perfect it's progress not perfection and also learned that if your parent was abusive you don't have to continue the cycle or end up with someone who is just like your abuser you can break it and find a healthy relationship so thank you so much for the inspirational but (laughs) inspirational and valuable story and i know a lot of people will appreciate it yeah i think so too it's important to shed light on the incest aspect of it yeah we haven't done any stories about incest yet yeah and which reminds me we have another listener story coming up that also deals with incest but it's from a different perspective so Mm -hmm. um interesting so that which reminds me i do want to to the people that have sent in their stories, especially to ones that we've said, all right, we're going to cover this. Just be patient. It's coming. Um, I, we put a lot of work into making them, uh, you know, turning them into stories and kind of making them fit with our format. But they are coming. And, again, we really appreciate you guys sending the stories into us because – it mean like I said before, it means a lot to us that people are willing to share with us. So, mm-hmm. so thank you for that, and that wraps up Anne's story. Powerful story, a lot we can learn. Mm-hmm. And now it's the Apple Podcast Review <laughs> portion of the show. So, do you want to read this? Sure. 
Um, the title is Showing Love. It says, I absolutely love this podcast. Thank you guys for sharing stories from the victims. People don't always understand the impact trauma has on lives. I look forward to your podcast every week. Love, Jennifer Blake. Thank you, Jennifer Blake. Yeah, that was really sweet. That's awesome. Oh, and before I forget, we have a patron to thank, too. Oh, we do. Carrie. We should have done at the... I remember her name. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Ms. Carrie. That's awesome. Sorry we didn't do it at the beginning of the show. Whoopsie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Maybe we will next week. Mm Mm-hmm. Like we said at the beginning of the show, we did release two new Patreon episodes. One on the Turpin case follow-up because the sentencing and the impact statements happened this past week. And so we shared those and gave our thoughts on that. And also the movie set tragedies. Yep. Which Rosie made the outline for. and did. Like we've said before, our Patreon episodes are a lot more laid back, and we try to have fun with them. They're not as dark. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking about putting together a goal. Once we get to a certain point, we're going to start releasing a new Patreon episode every two weeks. <laughs> it would be nice. We're finally getting to the point where we have enough listeners. If our listeners um, signed up to be $2 patrons or higher... We'd be if, able to start doing this full time. If everybody listening yeah. gave $2, yeah. So that would be amazing, because just imagine all the content. Yeah. Just imagine it. Well, my ultimate goal, if we were ever able to do this full time, would be to release a Patreon episode every week alongside our wow. weekly episode. But that's just future goals. It's completely impossible <laughs> for us right now. Yeah. We're working full time, but... yeah. In the meantime, we're really enjoying doing this show and hearing from all you guys on a regular basis. I think we got like two or three emails yesterday we that, did. that were just all so sweet. and We still need to reply to those. We also got some hilarious YouTube comments today. Don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we posted to our Instagram and Facebook story about it because it was just really funny. Oh, Oh, I forgot about that one. That you're talking about. (laughs) Do you want to talk about it? I didn't, but go ahead. Well, I won't go into detail, but someone called us maggots. It felt real good. Yeah, Rosie was pretty bummed. That's okay, though. I wasn't going to bring it up. We're focused on all the people that don't hate us, because you guys are seriously awesome. I think that'll wrap it up. So thank you again, Anne for uh, sharing yeah. your story this week. Thank you, Anne. That was a really inspiring... It was a crazy story that I think a lot of people are going to appreciate. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye.